Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. All right, all right, you guys well? You guys ready for some gospel? Hey, what's gospel mean? Good news. Come on, it's too good to be true good news. But it's true. But it's true. Bless the Lord here. Oh, I got a lot of text messages. Open up my phone here. I got uh, just like little like two notes, and I, I have some thoughts. Um, notes and then some thoughts that I want to share with you today. Man, trying to find a Bible verse to make it a legal service for you. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you don't read the Bible, I always say it's not a legal it's not a legal service. Um, I just want to talk about um, a little bit about Jesus and about what that means for us as Christians when we, like, when we come to Jesus. Some things that happen. It's different for different people because we come from different backgrounds. If you grew up in a home or a Christian home, going to a church service, let me see your hand by show of hands. Come on, just look around the room real quick. So that's most of us in the room. So um, if that was you. And you grew up in a Catholic church. Anybody grew up Catholic in here? So one, two, two, three, four. <laughs> so maybe four. Um, going up to Catholic church. No church uh, experience at all growing up. You just really didn't grow up going to church. Anybody? A few. So didn't grow up going to church. So a few more. A few more. Um, living in the Bible Belt, you have much more of an opportunity to go to church or be around church. Even if you didn't grow up going to church, you probably heard the name Jesus in some capacity. And you probably heard that, you know, he died for people. But you're like, what in the world does that mean? Um, and there are still people all around us who hear that and don't really know what that means. And some people hear the name of Jesus and there is an immediate, watch this, recoil because of what they think that means. You know, because some people believe that you know, he's going to toast them one day um, because they didn't say a prayer or they don't know him or they don't know the Bible. It's just crazy what we believe about Jesus. We, we wrongly interpret Bible verses because we take text out of what? Right? When you take text out of context, what are you left with? Con. Not completely missing the fact that Jesus himself said, the Father has given all judgment to the Son. And then he says this, and the Son judges no man. Jesus did not and never will condemn any person who's ever lived. You know why? Because he doesn't have condemnation to give. We know John 3, 16, we should have kept on reading down. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent him that through his son, the world would be saved. Anyway, we, we're not ready for raw gospel yet, right? And I want to talk about coming to Jesus and things that happen. You guys Okay. I will just maybe quote some scriptures. I may call some out and say, throw them up on the screen. So just be ready back there with your fingers when I do that. Um, but I just want to have a, share my heart with you today. And this is kind of the way I preach. Sometimes I'll read, you know, 37 Bible verses and quote 10 more, but we're just going to flow with you today a little bit. In the gospels, Jesus Christ comes to the planet at a time when it was desperately needed. 400 years between the book of Malachi, the last Old Covenant book, and the book of Matthew, the first New Covenant book. They say in those years that the Lord wasn't really speaking, meaning that he wasn't speaking through a prophet and he wasn't sending angels to give messages. 400 silent years and sin, without the voice of God, sin reached a climatic point. At the highest, at its climatic point, uh, religion was doing very, very well, very, very well. And God chose this is a perfect time now to send the Savior when Rome was literally oppressing the Israelite people and just humans were being humans. Jesus comes to the planet. Paul says he came at the precise time, the due time for him to come, and he was born. And an angel comes and breaks the 400 years of silence by speaking to a woman by the name of Elizabeth, and her husband, Zechariah, who were the parents of John the Baptist. 
A few months later, that same angel by the name of Gabriel visits a young virgin girl, teenage girl, maybe 13, 14 years old by the name of Mary. And he tells her that you are going to give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. And he will sit upon the throne of his father, David, and he will be known as the son of the highest and that he will save his people from his sins. Try getting that message as a 13-year-old girl from a man with a glowing face. Jesus Christ is born, and just like one of us, he is fully human, meaning that he cried. Jesus needed to be breastfed from the breast that he himself made. He would drink the milk that he himself put in the breast that he made. He would be held by the arms that he himself made. So the creator would be held and literally birthed by his own creation. That is too much of a thought that is too lofty for a human to even come up with. Yet Jesus did it. The incarnation is such a miracle that a lot of people don't even touch it here in the West. But I'm telling you, the incarnation is beautiful. It is spirit becoming flesh. Jesus Christ was perfectly human. Jesus Christ would have burped. Ready for this? Jesus would have passed gas. I don't know what kind of beans they got over there in Israel, but I guarantee you. Jesus Christ would have stubbed his toe. Probably would have said a bad word or two. Some of y'all are like, you understand that even though Jesus was fully human, he was also always fully God. Jesus did not quit being God when he became man. It's the beauty of the incarnation. He never quit being God while he was man. (laughs) He was human while being 100% God all along. And even while being taught by his parents, while eating the food that he himself created and put inside of a seed, while walking on the earth that he himself created, all the while he was holding the stars in their place and still telling the wind which way to go. This was Jesus Christ, friend. This was the word through which God also made the worlds. Because remember what we teach you here. We teach you the way I think it really should be taught, that the word of God has never been a book. The word of God has always been a living being. That the word of God has always been a man. That the logos of God is not a written scroll. You think think God in the beginning said, somebody bring me the scrolls, angels. Let me figure out how to create a planet. No, 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 no. The living word of God is the one through whom the Father made all things. This living word was a man. His name, we call him Yeshua. His name is Jesus. He's the living word. Mary knew that her son was divine. But yet at times she struggled with that thought. The Bible says she pondered these things in her heart. At the age of 30, Jesus Christ gets baptized by his first cousin in the Jordan River, John the Baptist. Remember the annunciation that John the Baptist said over Jesus. He sees Jesus coming. He says, behold, the what? The Lamb of God, right? That does what? John called Jesus the Lamb of God. Remember this, Ben. The nation of Israel knew that different tribes would bring lambs. The nation of Israel knew that the priests themselves would bring lambs. The nation of Israel knew that they individually, they would bring lambs. They would sacrifice animals. But what the nation of Israel, what nobody on the planet knew is that God himself had a lamb. And this was known as the lamb of God. That sounds like a beautiful statement, right? That sounds like a glorious statement. But before it was a glorious statement, it was a gory statement. Because Lamb of God literally means you are going to give your life. This Lamb of God would confront to all humanity what we thought about God and really how we had it wrong. Jesus is the Word of God. Everybody say that. Say, Jesus is the Word of God. God doesn't have a Bible under his arm in a leather backing. 
Jesus is the word of God. John 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The Bible didn't become God. The word is God, and the word is a living man. His name is Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, you want to read something beautiful that's powerful? It says this, it says, God in diverse times and in diverse manners spoke unto our fathers in the past through the prophets. It says, but he hath in these last days spoken to us through his son. So there's a transition that took place. He said, the father used to speak to us through the who? Prophets. Now he speaks to us through who? The son. So watch this. God speaks through the son. So the word of God that you don't see the word I'm speaking right now, but God's word is his son. So, so watch this. The thing that God speaks to us by is a son. No, no. So, 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 so God's word has always been his son. So the language of God is not French, Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, Latin, English, Spanish, Mandarin. No, the language of God is son. For 2,023 years, God has been speaking one word, son. Mic drop, walk off stage. Ain't heard nothing that good in all of 2023. Most of us have heard nothing that good in your whole life. I said the language of God that he speaks over all humanity is Listen to the words of St. Peter in 1 Peter. This is what he has to say about this word. This is 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen to this. Verse 22. Since you have purified your souls when you obey the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all grass, flesh is grass, and all the glory of a man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. He says, you were born not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Then he tells you what that is. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Your Bible doesn't live and abide forever. Your Bible is not alive. But the word of God is alive and it lives and abides forever. And he said, it is through that word, listen, that you were born again. For the word of the Lord endures, he says, forever. Let me hit you with another one. Look at Isaiah 55 at verse 11. Now you've heard this in a specific context, but I want to, Give it to you in a little bit of a different context. This is Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. I love this. He says, for as the rain comes down and the snow comes down from heaven and does not return back up to heaven, but yet the rain and the snow water the earth and they make the earth bring forth in bud so that it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but that word shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. What word is it that goes forth out of the mouth of Yahweh that will never return back void, but will always accomplish what he pleased? I'm telling you, that word is Jesus. That word, friend, is Jesus. And that word came to the planet to show us really what our father was like. Remember, Jesus did not come to the planet to change God's mind about us. Rather, he came to change our mind about God. Jesus did not come to say, God, don't be angry at them. Don't destroy them. God, they're really not filthy. God never thought that. Remember, sin didn't change God. Sin changed us. 
When Adam sinned in the garden, who did sin affect, God or Adam? Who ran and hid from who? Did the father run and hide from his son or did the son run and hide from his father? The son ran and hid from his father. So Jesus didn't come to the planet. Watch this big statement here. Jesus didn't come to the planet to reconcile God back to humanity. No, 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 no. God did not need to be reconciled back to humanity. Rather, he came to reconcile all of humanity back to the Father. Did you hear that? If I would have known that growing up, my walk with Jesus would have been so much different. The image of God was so broken in the human race, it took Jesus to restore it. Prophets tried it, couldn't do it. Judges tried it, couldn't do it. The lawgiver, Moses, tried it, couldn't do it. The prophet of all prophets came. He couldn't raise up schools of prophets. They couldn't do it. Scrolls alone couldn't do it because they, like today, are oftentimes misinterpreted, which we all do from, in one way or another. So the father says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my living word himself, which is Jesus. And John chapter 1 says of Jesus, which is the word of God, that he came unto his own and his own received him not. It says he came to the world in which he created and they received him not. Man. But here comes Jesus. For the first 30 years of his life, only a few people knew who he was, but he was always God's only begotten son. He was always the word of God. But through dealings with people, you find out real quick, man, we missed God. So watch this. Take some notes here. Jesus told disciples, he said, follow me. Now, he wasn't saying just walk behind me. Everywhere that I go, I want you to walk behind me. Literally, when, they, when a rabbi would say, follow me, they were literally saying, I want you to adapt your lifestyle to become like me in every way. They, if, if, if the rabbi walked like this, you know what you would end up doing? You would end up walking just like that. Literally. Whatever the rabbi ate, you would literally try to eat it. You would pick up on all of his mannerism because you wanted to be just like him. This, this, this principle, this way of learning was so amazing that if, if I was a rabbi of Chris and Chris was nowhere around, that when you saw me, I would literally try to act just like Chris. And you'd be like, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of who? Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you see me, now, you haven't seen the Father, but when you see me, you what? You, why? Because I'm just like him in every way. This is what it meant to follow a rabbi. So Jesus asked specifically 12 men to come and follow him, to sleep beside him, to eat food with him, to ride on boats with him, to climb mountains with him. Watch how I treat the unrighteous. Watch how I treat the people you call sinful. Watch how I treat the people you call outcast. And boy, we all went to school. You know what our problem is in America? We've been homeschooled in the wrong home. But watch this. The word of God, not a Bible. I said the word of God will always confront every false thought we have about God that doesn't look like Jesus. I said the word of God will always confront every false thought we have that doesn't look like Jesus. Bill Johnson, a favorite of mine, says this. If whatever you believe to be true about God the Father doesn't look like Jesus, you have need to question it. You say, yeah, brother, but the Bible says. The Bible says a lot of things. But the Bible's not God. Jesus is God. And if what you believe to be true by Scripture, you can't see it in the person of Jesus, who is perfectly like the Father and what the Father is in every essence, you have need to question it. The Pharisees had the scrolls and they missed it. The Sadducees had the scrolls and they missed it. The scribes had the scrolls. They even wrote it down themselves and they missed it. It's possible 
to be in church all of your life, memorize Bible verses, fast, pray, be on the worship team, even be a pastor and have notions that are absurd and are nothing like the Father. I'm telling you, the real word of God, Jesus, comes to confront everything in us that says, you know what, you have thoughts about my dad, but that is not like my dad. Mm. What is one of the first things that I, that I see in the life of Jesus that he taught us that we all need to become accustomed to? And I'm going to keep hammering it out here because I believe we need it because God wants to do something. in We don't lack churches in this region. Trust me. I literally, this week I was here with a guy um, getting our building treated, getting our building sprayed for pests. Pest control was here. And they, they had a new guy come. I've had the same one for about a year and a half, but they got a new guy that came. And so I had to be, be here to show him the building. And we're walking around and he says, uh, you know, who's the pastor here, man? And what kind of church are you guys? I said, well, um, man, we're just a Jesus church, man. I don't know what, don't know what kind you're looking for, but I mean, we're, we're, we're not a denomination. We're just followers of Christ. He said, okay, cool. Who's the pastor? I said, man, I'm the pastor. I look like I had been taking out trash for the last three weeks and hadn't washed, but I always have on my paint clothes, if you know me. It's kind of, just kind of how I roll. And he said, he said you know, once, famous quote, he said, yeah, but who's the senior pastor? Every time. <laughs> like you look for somebody taller, more muscular, better looking. That's all I got. So, so I'm the lead follower. What's lead follower? So you mean the top guy? Or that, was that what you're talking about? Like I'm the bottom guy. I'm on the bottom. I lift everybody else up. Right? That's what I do. So, okay, so you're the senior pastor. If that's what you want to call it, I'm the senior pastor. Where do you go to church at? I go to church. I'm going to just say right down here. <laughs> so right down here. And I said, cool. And he says, so what's it like? I was like, you know, what do you need to know? What's worship like? We get in this conversation. I said, well, what's worship like for you? Like how many songs you do? What's it like, man? What do you? He said, well, you do three to four songs. Literally, his words, not mine. About 10 to 12 minutes, man, it's worship, man. It's really good. And I'm thinking, I can't, even, I can't even wash my hands almost that fast. Listen, multiple services. His words again, not mine. I said, well, um, if, if, you, if you do come on here on Sunday, you're going to be grossly disappointed. Because <laughs> it's not going to be 10 to 12 minutes. It may be, but just that's not our custom. And you'll probably have some kiddos up here spinning around and talking, and it's just what we do, man. It's okay. It's life. I said probably a minimum of 30 minutes. 45 is not absurd. His words are not mine. He said, I, he said, I guess we're kind of like, this, his words are not mine. He said, I guess they push us through like cattle. I said, I don't know. I don't go there. You do. His words, not mine. As we get into conversation, so I said, you know, what's Jesus been saying to you? It's amazing what happens when you let Jesus, the word of God, confront everything in you that's probably not right. I can... you know, we can quote, we can have spiritual, I call it spiritual jargon, these quotes, and we spiritually project sometimes because we don't want people to see where we really are. It's amazing what's happening, guys, all around us, and people are thirsting to death for something that is real, something that's genuine, something that's authentic. They want to go to a place where they're not just another number. They want to belong to family. I know you're part of the choir, but do you have a family? Do you have a community where you go? Are you, can you really say that he's divine and I'm actually the branch and the same sap flowing through him is actually flowing through me? Can you actually say that you have a clearer picture of Jesus Christ where you worship something that I believe that Jesus taught us is this and he taught the disciples this he's the first man in the scripture to do this Jesus called God father confronted the mindset that God is just God because the Hindus have one of them Hindus have 30 some million of them Every religion has a God. Every faith has what they believe to be a God. But we're the only one that has one called Father. Jesus Christ. That's so good. Did you hear what I said? We're the only one that has one called Father. And to my knowledge, we are the only faith in the cosmos 
that the one that we call God is father. And not only is he father, what makes Christianity so different or people of the way so different or being a part of this Trinitarian life so different is not only is he father, not only is he God, he actually says this, I am also your groom. Like our God says, I have a covenant with you. And even if you backslide, I love this, said Jeremiah. He said, know that I'm married to you. What? What are you talking about? That's crazy to me. Jesus said he's Abba Father. He's Papa. He's Dad. One of the reasons they all the time wanted to stone Jesus is because he said that very statement. Nowhere in the scripture is Jesus, did Jesus ever say that he is just your father. Every time that statement comes up, it's always in a plural or a corporate setting. He's always our father. Whether you like it or not, he's the father of all. You don't get to say, I'm his kid and you're not. Go ahead, Jesus. Even Jesus said, when you pray, he didn't say, say my father. In your personal time, he said, when you pray, say what? Listen to the words of the great apostle Paul when he wrote to the church of Ephesus. Are you ready for this? I'm just, this is, this, this is the kind of stuff that I still struggle with, but I know it to be true. Paul says, Ephesians 4, 4, he says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Watch this. There's only one God and one Father. Watch this. You hear what I just said? One Father over of, of all, who is above all and through all. And just so you don't forget it, he says in all. And how, Alex, can I not be moved in my guts by this kind of truth? He said there is one spirit. Listen, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, above all, through all. And just so you don't miss it, Paul says, yes, and he's in you all. Matter of fact, when Paul got the revelation of Jesus Christ, Right? Paul didn't say he was revealed outside of me. Galatians 1, he said, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his son in me. Where was he at, Paul, when you found him? Paul said, he was in me. And nobody that looks for God ever finds him outside of them. Though he is everywhere and outside of everything, God says, my, my, my home of choice is still inside of you. Hmm. Jesus said he's our Father, when you pray, say our Father, Paul said that he is above all, over all, through all, and in all. Jesus taught the world that God really was first and foremost a Father. And one of the greatest revelations, I never heard this taught in church. I hope that we catch it here. I'm, I'm learning to catch this myself. It's in Romans chapter 8. Man, you want to talk about what it means to really be led by God's Spirit and to, be, and to really be a son? Listen to what Paul says here. This is Romans 8, by the way. I'm going to start at verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again that leads you back to fear, but you received the spirit of what? Adoption, by whom we now cry out what? Abba, Father. He says the Spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that you are children of God. And if you're children, you're heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we may be glorified with him. I believe the real proof that God's Spirit is in you is not that you speak in another language, man. Some people got bilingual and they're still orphans. Like you think the move of God, the, the, the proof that you're filled with God's Spirit, you're speaking another language? No, you can go pick up. You can go to YouTube and learn another language. Like, how real do we want to get it? But no, do you and are you able to say, he's Abba to me. He's proof that my boy is my boy. It's not that he comes to me speaking German tomorrow. Son, proof that you are mine. You get to call me something nobody else in the community does. 
you get to say, that is my father. Now y'all ain't saying nothing. Listen, Jesus came and he showed us that God was father over 100 times in four gospels. He addresses him literally as father. And the two times he called him God was on a cross quoting Psalms 22, the messianic Psalms of David. When David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are not even the words of Jesus. It was the words of David speaking on behalf of broken humanity because humanity felt forsaken. And Jesus speaking on behalf of all of humanity says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus every single time called his dad, father, Abba, Papa. We need to change our lens and see our father as he is. As we follow Jesus, our minds get renewed. And as our minds get renewed, our lives get transformed. Romans 12, 2. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you present your bodies, Romans 12, 1, 2, as a living sacrifice unto God. Remember that scripture, right? And he goes on down and says this, you, sh- you shouldn't be conformed to the world. Don't take on the mindset of the world, but be transformed. Let me interject this into his world. How? By the renewing of your mind. Transformation follows mind renewal. What did Jesus do for three and a half years with 12 men? Kept saying, don't think that way, think this way. I know you heard, but now I'm telling you. This is how we do community life. I know people in your day don't fellowship and hang out with people that aren't righteous, but I do. One of the second things that Jesus confronted in us is this, is Jesus always challenges us to walk in love toward those who don't believe the way we believe. Did you hear that? He challenges us to walk in love toward those who don't believe what we believe. I always say this. I meet pre-believers all the time. I meet pre-believers all the time. Look at Matthew 5, 43 through 47. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is what Jesus says. You... Wait, no, let me, let me go back to verse 38 and keep reading. Matthew 5 and 38. Here you go. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist. That's a good Bible verse for a dentist right there. Anyway, so like he said, I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek. The only person in the room that can do that effectively is Kalen. Okay, you got this Bible. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other one also. Now, it would have been cool if Jesus said that. Like, that's a powerful verse, Jesus. But I don't see you doing that until he lets them do that. And remember, Jesus, Jesus, could, Jesus, could, Jesus could have commanded the wind to cut them in two if he wanted to. But he didn't do it. Mike, you're going to let somebody slap you on one cheek, just a spirit... <laughs> I feel compassion coming on me right <laughs> Jesus, I believe that, but don't put me in a place to prove it, but I believe that. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. In other words, if they want to take, a, take away your outer garment and then sue you for the one you got on, let him have it. Jesus was such a giver. And then he says this, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn him away. What do you mean you want my last bit of sugar? I'm fixing to make some cereal. It ain't happening. Now, Jesus, if they ask you, give it to them. Why was he saying to do this? Because I want to make you different than everybody else in your current culture. Everybody else around you are takers only. And evidently, they were boxers. But Jesus said it shouldn't be shown with you. Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, because remember, he always says this. I know they told you, but now I'm telling you. What's he doing? Trying to change the way they think. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and what? That, like real talk, that seems logical. Why wouldn't I hate my enemy? Notice that Jesus didn't say, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate God's enemy. God has zero enemies. There isn't a person on the planet that God did not give birth to. He has no enemies. He said, but you do. 
We live in an enemyless kingdom unless we see ourselves right. Can I tell you something? Muslims aren't our enemy. <laughs> Somebody tell them to cut the sermon short right now. Verse 44, but I say unto you, love your what? Bless those who what? Do good to those who what? Pray for those who what? And watch this. And if you do this, it is proof that verse 45, it says this, that you may be sons of your father in heaven. I want to say this. Jesus Christ never asked one human being to do anything on the planet that he himself was not willing to do and did not do. And everything he commanded them to do right here, he went on to do for himself as proof that the only begotten of heaven did it so you can do it too. And then he says this about the father. For the father makes his what? Son rise on the what? Evil and the what? I mean, if I was God, I'm like, God, don't give them no more sun in their yard. I hope you freeze to death the rest of the year. If I were, but I ain't God. He said, but God makes his son to shine on the what? The evil and the good? And God even sends rain on the what? Now, Popeye's struggling. They're they the only ones that God ain't blessed. Everybody else. Everybody else blessed. God's sending rain on Jackbees, right? God, God, God's sending rain on the rest of the grocery stores too. I know he has one goblin in the city, but the rest of them getting blessed. God said, I bless the good. I send my rain on the good and the evil. I send rain on the just and the unjust. What was Jesus trying to do? Challenge their mindsets, their paradigms. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Then he says this. He takes the worst people of his day and says this. Even tax collectors can do that. He said, if you greet your brethren only when you out walking about, he said, what have you done that nobody else can't do? Even tax collectors do that. You greet people that you like. But if you do what I told you, you shall be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. Jesus taught us to love people that didn't think the way we think, believe the way we believe. Don't do life. That don't mean you got to do everything that they do. But love is powerful. Love will overcome cultural barriers, racial barriers, gender barriers, religious barriers. Love is powerful, friend. Jesus demonstrated it. Jesus served the people that was oppressing him. I said, Jesus served the people that were oppressed. Which, by the way, that if a man asks you to go a mile, go too. I read in a book one time a guy was doing some just, I was like, what does that mean historically? He said, in their day, the Roman guards that were soldiers that were oppressing Israel, their outer cloaks were very heavy. And they could walk up to you as a Jewish person and say, tote this coat. And that automatically, automatically meant you had to tote it for one mile. He was saying, but when you get to the end of that one mile, and he reaches down to take it. You say this, can I carry it another mile? And he's going to be like, no, why do you want to do that? See, people of the way, people of the way, you understand the way was a lifestyle. Jesus called himself the way. In the book of Acts, they were called people of the way. Follow People that lived the way Jesus did naturally stood out. Because, man, Teresa just cussed Josh out. Oh, she gave it to him. You know what he said? God bless you. I ain't never did that, but I'm just being straight up on it. Like, woo. I get upset at the football games and Michael, somebody beating our kids. I'm like, I hope he trip. Let him trip. Break a leg or something. Like, you know, I'm just like, whoa, this is. But, but we don't do this by our own willpower. We do this by the spirit of God. Right? This isn't something you're like, I'm fixing to cuss him out, but I don't want to. No, I didn't do it. That's not how that works. That's not how, that's not what he's saying don't do. But he is saying don't cuss, but I'm saying he's not saying don't do it that way. You get the point. We have to be led by God's spirit. Whoa, you remember the WWJD bracelets? (laughs) Jesus is in you. He's in me. How do we treat people on a consistent basis? 
do we say, well, that's a good word and we don't remember it no more? No, man, this is supernatural if you live this way. If you live this way. Another mindset that I felt like Jesus challenges us in. I mean, I want to talk about how we read the scripture. That's a good one. Knowing God as a father. I want to, let me go back to that. I want to, is Darla in here? Is it possible Darla to come and play? Is that possible? I want to challenge you in your personal prayer time to begin to address God as not just God. Let me make it more intimate with you. Like, how would you go to your spouse if you called her spouse? Hey, spouse. Hey, wife. I can tell you what happened in my household. You'd be picking me up from the hospital this time next week because Lindsey Jones would, like, get me in a power bomb, Liam needs some throat chop, something like that, like, real quick. I'm too small to be getting my wife upset with me, man. I'm telling you the truth. It don't work in my household. Like, she can out-argue me, too. I don't know. I was never good at arguing. I, saw, I just, I suck at arguing. I could be like, but your feet stink. No, that's like, <laughs> your toes are ugly. I ain't saying that. I want you to begin. We got to be practical. Begin to address him as father or dad. Why does that feel weird? Because you haven't done it. When I started calling God, Papa in 2005 for me. And to this day, I still get called names. Now I'll go to church and I'll be like, that's, that's the guy that calls God Papa. I want to look back and say, you're the one that calls him God. I call him what Jesus called him. You call him what heathens call him. See, when I was in school, if somebody walked up to me and say, Josh, that let me know real quick. They don't really have an intimate relationship with me. Because everybody called me Josh. But if they walked up to me and said, Dwayne Johnson. That didn't say that. But it's just, if, they, if they walked up to me and they said, Triple J. I knew they knew me. Joshua James Jones. They called me Triple J. Or they called me Jones. They knew me. They were, their relationship with me was on a different level. How do we make the mental shift? In your personal time, begin calling him that. It may seem awkward. But just watch. Father, my Father, our Father. See Jesus saying when you pray, say our Father. So people of the way, Yahweh was real. They did say those terms, but I'm just saying they would address him as our Father. They treated people that didn't believe like them, think like them, walk like them, worship like them. They loved them. The same way you see one man teaching them how to handle tax collectors with gloves, soft gloves, teaching them how to handle prostitutes with gloves that were soft and kind. Imagine when thousands of followers in the days of Jesus begin to do that to tax collectors and prostitutes and lepers. That's what was happening. How do you shift the culture? Get everybody operating in love. Get everybody knowing that God isn't just some big guy in the sky. He really is a father on the inside of you. Get everybody treating people with kindness and love. Walking around telling people you are forgiven. And get them seeing the scripture different. And friend, we're on to something here. We're on to something here. We're on to something here. I'll say this last thing and I'm done. We're in a few minutes early. I'm out of notes anyway. Jesus on a cross. He's dying. He spent three and a half years trying to shift our paradigms. And man, the, the guy that is standing beside him took a spear and pushed it through the flesh of his side. It's crazy to me. I mean, they had spit on him Isaiah talks about how they pulled the facial hair out of his face with their hands. I think shaving is rough sometimes. And you walked up to a guy and you pulled the hair out of his face. You know what the the gospel writer said? They blindfolded Jesus, making fun of him. They said, this guy calls himself a prophet. They blindfolded him, Chris, and they walked up to him at their mockery trials and they would slap him, Grant. They would say, if you're a prophet, tell us who slapped you. 
Huh? They mocked him and they, after they had ripped his back to pieces, put a robe on him. Can you imagine like the, 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 the garments, the fabrics just getting into his flesh? And they took a stick and the scripture says they would slap him on the head with it to raise it. And then they put that and says, they'd say, look at this king. And they took a crown of thorns. They called it, he called himself a king. And they pressed the crown of thorns into his brow. And look, he really calls himself a king. Some king you are. And Isaiah, I can hear the prophet Isaiah 800 years earlier whispering down through the annuals of time saying, but he shall be like a sheep led to the slaughter before his shears who will not even open his mouth. They didn't know in it though. They didn't know this, but even though they were putting a crown of thorns on his head, symbolically, the whole cosmos said, we crown you now. They didn't know it, even though they were mocking him and putting a robe and pressing it into his flesh. But we are robing you as king now. And even though they were putting a scepter in his hand and beating him with it and making fun of him. Yet the psalmist would say, with a scepter of righteousness, he shall rule. And even after all that craziness, you have the son of Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahshua, sitting there. And he still says from a cross, hanging between heaven and earth, and he still says, Papa, forgive them. They don't know. They don't have a clue what they're doing. He knew what he was doing, but they didn't know what they were doing. And the guy that pierced his side and watched blood mortar came out was standing there. And when he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then he heard Jesus say, Abba, into your hands. I commend my spirit. (laughs) What should have taken a man three days to die took Jesus six hours and he gave up his spirit and that guy that was sitting there you know what he said he said truly truly this man was he's a son of God boom and upon that confession he didn't even know it but a a new birth came right there at the front of the cross the Bible said that blood was so pure and powerful that the rocks at the foot of the cross that when the blood hit the rocks the scripture says the rocks old King James the rocks rent into I want to say this. Stand to your feet with me. Do you not have wonder in your hearts, followers of Jesus? When is the last time that an awe and a wave of awe hit your heart? Sometimes it may not come from a song. It may may come because you spoke something wrong to your spouse and you're like, man, I I can't do that. I know I'm not supposed to do that. It may come when you just want to lose it on somebody. I can't, I can't, because I'm not supposed to do that. You have the opportunity to be good to somebody that you know has been just talking you down and that something rises up on the inside. I know I can do this by God's spirit. I'm not supposed to be this way. Do you see him as father? Can you see yourself being good even when you have the opportunity to not be good? Man, this is, this is Christianity 101 and I'm in pre-K. I'm not, I have not graduated this course. But I think together as a family, let's learn it. Let's live this out. Has the spirit of adoption hit you anytime lately? And you can just stand and say, I can boldly say, Abba, Father. I can call you my dad. And I don't got to feel awkward about it anymore. I don't got to feel weird about it anymore. I love praying with my kids every night. And I say, repeat these words after me. And I say, Papa. And they say, Papa. And what am I doing? I'm sowing seeds in them now that I believe one day will become the forest of goodness. I sow seeds in them now that one day will become the forest, that one day they can pick from the fruit of the seed that I laid in their life when they were two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. So, Dad, they say he's not real, he said. Yeah, but I say on the proof that he's real is that I can be kind to people that have been harsh to us. That's the proof, son. 
We can bless people that curse us. That's the proof, son. I don't need to see his fingerprint or his footprint in the sand. If I do, yay, God. But if I don't, I am his image. And his image speaks to us. That's the proof that he's real. Hey, family, if you're in this room today and you've never received the forgiveness of God that has always been for you, maybe because you didn't know it, maybe because you thought you had to do something specific, maybe you just thought, you know what, I I don't want to do that until I feel like I can actually keep it. I want to tell you, you don't have to keep yourself. God keeps you. And I also want to tell you, when you can't trust yourself, you can still trust him. And we all came to God the same way. We all come to our Father by faith in what Jesus has done. If you need to receive the forgiveness of God and be awakened to his life in you, I would love to introduce you to him today as an initial marker that this is the day that I know only said, Jesus, I receive your life. If that's you on the count of three, man, just boldly, all you got to do is lift up your hand. As a family, we want to pray with you. One, two, three. Anybody at all you want to receive, the life of Christ and the forgiveness of God. The life of Christ and the forgiveness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's do this as a family. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your life lived. Thank you for your truth. Today by grace, I receive your gentle nudge to love those who aren't like me and maybe not like you. I receive your gentle nudge to say, Father. And I receive your gentle nudge to see scripture through your eyes. Now let me pray for you. Father, I just release your spirit in this room today into our hearts. It's there, but I just want to acknowledge that it's moving. I thank you, Lord, that you fill every void. You fill every crevice with you. For people that have doubts about where they are and maybe even who you are, Lord, I pray that you would just undergird them, come in, and keep shining your light in there. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.